am thrilled that TOG24, the clothing company who have single-handedly kept me and my family cosy and warm this winter, are sponsoring this podcast. They've also given me a discount code for you to spend on yourself or buy a gift for someone you love. My TOG24 coats are the warmest things I own. They weigh nothing, but they're so cosy that my mum actually refers to hers as her sleeping bag. As in, I'm going out, can you pass me my sleeping bag? My husband and I have matching walking boots, which isn't just cute, it means we both have warm toes while we're whizzing around our local nature reserve in zero degree weather. We take their portable pop-up dog bowls with us on trips and long walks, and our pups have a puffer each to ward off the cold. You know that thing where you get so cold you can't hold your phone, you get a bit cranky and you don't warm up for the rest of the day? Well, I don't anymore. The discount code is BRAVE10 and it's valid across their website from now until the end of the year. Make this a cracker of a Christmas with TOG24. Hello and welcome to Brave Little Podcast, the podcast where we talk about those life events and decisions so many of us face that require a healthy dose of courage. I'm your host Jess, you might know me from social media as Human Jess, and I've learned everything I know about courage from my little dog. She's also called Jess, but more commonly known as the Worried Whippet. I normally script these intros, but my producer Daisy has challenged me to ad-lib this one, so that's what's happening, if it sounds a bit different. If I um and ah a lot, we're going to give it a go and see what happens. This today is an interview with one of my favourite people on this planet, Martha, my sister. I'm really lucky to have two great siblings um, and Martha is not only cool to me because she's my sister, but also they've built this empire, this DJ collective called Not Bad For A Girl, which is a really, really cool group of really, really cool women and non-binary people who are taking the music industry by storm and occupying spaces that historically have been closed to people who look and present like they do. I thought it would just be a really interesting conversation because I think we all know what it feels like to turn up somewhere and not feel welcome or to worry about turning up somewhere because we're worried that we won't feel welcome or to look around in a space we want to be in and not to see anybody who looks like us represented. And I think Martha has a lot to teach us about that. They're really committed to showing up in those spaces. And then once they're in them to making change, which I think is a really admirable endeavor. I normally like to start these episodes with something brave that my little whippet Jess has done this week, but this is a bonus episode, so the rules do not exist, and today I'm going to start with something brave that I have done. Last week's episode was an interview with Hannah Witten, who is a creator that I've been following for a really long time and kind of a dream podcast guest for me. Producing this whole series has been really surreal and... It has been brave and it has involved putting myself out there. It's something I decided to do by myself. And then I discovered that I could do it with my producer, Daisy, (laughs) who it turns out is fantastic. And it's been really fun. And I've learned a lot. I've pushed myself really hard. And I'm sitting here looking back on it. I've just recorded this interview that you're about to listen to with Martha. So I really am at the end now and I'm just really proud of myself and I'm really grateful to all of you for being here and showing up and listening and always meeting me with such kindness wherever you are on the internet, whether it's on my Instagram pages or my newsletter or here on the podcast. I'm just so grateful for you all. So thanks very much and have a wonderful holiday season and enjoy this conversation with one of the coolest people that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Martha, can you tell me about something brave that you've done this week? 
Yes, this week I turned 27, which didn't involve a lot of anything from me, but <laughs> I'm just really pleased with like the way that my whole life is at the moment, basically. And it was a nice way of turning 27. I was able to like look back on the year I just had, see how I'd grown and just generally reflect on all the cool things that I'm doing. So I'm really proud of that. That is good for everybody listening who doesn't know us, which is probably like three people. Um, <laughs> we're, we were born four years apart, minus a few days. So my birthday is on Friday and I'll be turning 31 and you've just turned 37. So we have the same 27. moment. Please don't age me a decade. <laughs> Although I think my so 30s sorry. are going to be my best years. They but are. I'm not well, there yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see I've loved mine so far Aww. I'm only a year in 364 days um, but so far <laughs> it's been great definitely it a good decade it seems great from the outside yeah it's a peaceful peaceful time in my 30s not externally like the world is not a peaceful no. place on a global level and a like my surroundings level but um, yeah everywhere in every way everywhere in every way but on the inside I feel more peaceful. Love that. How's 27 so far? You're three days in. Am I really three days in? Yeah. Well, one of the days I was very tired from my celebrations. <laughs> so I spent it on the sofa. And then today I just worked really hard all day. So basically, yeah, it's been great. <laughs> Not much has happened. But I do feel different. I feel older, wiser, more mature, finer, you know? Yeah. I liked 27. I can't actually remember what happened happened um oh a global pandemic <laughs> of course that'll be why <laughs> you move back in with your parents I moved back in with my mum and dad <laughs> which was very fun to be fair it was actually quite a joyful time yeah it was and I moved into this house with Ollie who's now my husband and Aww. we took on an unwieldy renovation project that it turns out was a big mistake um but at the time, <laughs> it felt fun and exciting for at least the first few months. So, yeah. A few years. How many years into that are you now? Three. We're coming up to the three-year mark and we're going to be finished in January, which is such a relief and so exciting. Like bravery-wise, I think this is one of those things where I look back and I'm like, we've been so brave to do this. But actually, I think the first decision we made to buy the house was foolish. <laughs> <laughs> lots of people advised us not to do it and we were like no it's a great idea because we'd been watching lots of those do you remember in lockdown your tiktok feed would just be people renovating their houses yeah um or like french chateaus like 16 bedroom french chateaus and there'd just be two of them and they'd be like really jolly about it and they'd look very competent and you'd be like this is within our grasp it's like, easy yeah exactly that's very adhd as well though isn't it anytime i watch anything on the internet i'm like i could do that and to be fair <laughs> most of the time i probably can but i can't do it to the quality that i need to to renovate a whole house you yeah. on the other hand actually are very good at this stuff and so is oliver to your credit both of you i think you've done a fantastic job i don't know i on the day we moved in i put this paint stripper on the fireplace in our bedroom because i was like anything I looked at I was like that's what I'm gonna do now like I had no self-control about yep. doing things in order we didn't start with one room and then whatever like we got in and within 10 minutes we were knocking down walls that's so funny so, so I put this paint stripper on the fireplace in our bedroom and uh left it there because I forgot about it and so it all started bubbling and peeling off I got about a 20th of the paint on the fireplace off and yeah, then I left it and now it's three years later 
And the fireplace looks disgusting. Like, it looks really gross because it's still, like, bubbling and <laughs> feeling underneath the paint stripper. How long do you think it would take to correct that? Is it just one of those things that you're putting off that would actually take five minutes? <laughs> or do you think it's, like, a really long time? I think it's probably, like, a day's work. Okay, fair enough. Because if it was me, it would be, like, two minutes. I just wouldn't yeah. do it for, like, three years. <laughs> like, currently. So when we had a cat, we cut a hole in the front door for the cat flap <laughs> and then this. we don't have an outdoor cat anymore so what I did was I just took the bit of wood that I cut out a year before and I shoved it back in the hole and then I put a little bit of like wood filler in sanded it a tiny bit and then just left it and the other day we had a plumber around and he was like who has done that to your front door and I had to be like well just some guy we got in I don't know <laughs> couldn't like couldn't face up to the embarrassment of what I'd done it made sense in my head in my head I was like this is easy it's literally a jigsaw like one piece goes in the other piece bam but in reality it's probably a big risk to our house because you can put your arm in the front door and it lets loads of the warm air out so whenever yeah. I see it I think burglars must be looking at this <laughs> Yes. Although it does make me think of that one time we got trapped outside the same house all night. We got locked out. And I actually spent four hours that night trying to get my arm through the letterbox and up to open the door. I don't know if you remember that, but I think it's pretty like foolproof. (laughs) No one's getting in there. I tried so hard for so long and I couldn't get in. So this was I think we're okay. When we first moved into a house share in London, the the house that you're living in now. um, Yes, we didn't have any furniture so for the first two weeks we were like sleeping we didn't have any blinds or curtains <laughs> we'd like taped cardboard to the windows and we were sleeping in like piles of sleeping bags on the floor and the first night our furniture arrived it was an ikea delivery we were so excited that we like we put it all up made it really comfy and we went out for a night out at dalston superstore and when we came <laughs> back our friend flo <laughs> she was really tired she was like right i'm gonna go in there put a movie on, get the living room like really cosy and we're going to watch a film. And us two went to go and get a pizza around the corner. And when we got back, <laughs> we didn't have a key and Flo had gone to sleep. So we had a pizza. <laughs> we had nothing. It was August or September, <laughs> but we had nothing on except for what we'd want to superstore. <laughs> and we ended up sleeping sandwiched between the <laughs> sheets of cardboard that had come off the Ikea delivery on our own doorstep. It was awful. Can I also just remind you that just before we realised that Flo had fallen asleep and uh, wouldn't be answering the door, we did actually <laughs> drop, drop the, the pizza. pizza. Yeah, so we didn't get to eat the pizza because we dropped it on its head, cheese side down, which is the worst way to drop a pizza. And we were we were left with nothing. No pizza. No bed, no home, just a doorstep and some cardboard yeah. and each other, I suppose. And the people two doors down were having a house party and we were like, hey, can we come in? And they said no. <laughs> she was like 16. She was like, no, you can't come into my house. Which good on Fair her. Play good to her, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> good God. Anyway, right. <laughs> we're here to talk about the fact that you have done a seriously cool thing that I love telling people about because I feel like it makes me cooler by association. Um, Amazing. Which is that you have founded a DJ collective and not just any old DJ collective, but a collective of women and non-binary DJs. And you've done it as somebody who's worked in the music industry for quite a long time now. You've done it to address a problem, a big problem. Can you just tell us a bit about what that problem is? 
yeah, I mean, same problems everywhere, misogyny. But what I specifically found through working in the music industry was that while there's a lot of room for like female artists, or at the time when I started, there was a lot of room for female artists. I don't think we were even really having conversations about non-binary people or trans people in the same way uh, five years ago when I started the collective. But there's a lot of room for women if, if they're interested in being vocalists or if they want to, you know, produce music to a certain extent. But there's nothing at the time when I was starting out in the music industry, there was nothing that made it accessible for women to work in more like managerial jobs or in record labels or anywhere events. There was I didn't have anyone who I really looked up to who I thought was like an achievable goal of someone who was doing something cool that I wanted to be doing. So I thought I think what happened for me was that I kind of looked around my social circles and I looked at all of the people that I was kind of spending time with and like what their character traits were and how amazing they were at doing what they were doing, like their careers or some of them are DJs and they were like kind of like smashing that out. And I was like, why does that not, why is that not reflected in the boardrooms that I'm in or in, you know, the rooms where the, the decisions are being made basically? Like, why is, why is it so different what I see when I speak to my peers and what I see when I'm in a work setting in the music industry? So for me, that was a real disjoint and a real issue. And I think I'm just like naturally very, fiery I don't know if it's something about like how we were raised but I definitely like I see a problem and I'm like I'm gonna fix that problem <laughs> and that's what I did I was like right okay so here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna collect a group of women and non-binary people and we're gonna all unionize as we say because it makes us stronger and we're gonna be stronger together support each other and ourselves and just really carve out a place for ourselves within the industry and hopefully by doing that inspire other people and create a space for them as well so that's what we do we're called not bad for a girl and we love each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's such a cool thing. You guys played my wedding this year, which was we did. a big high point and really fun. Um, it was great. I haven't actually been and seen any of your events in the wild, but it's on my to-do <laughs> list. <laughs> we might be doing it on New Year's that. Day. It's on my to-do list for next year, 2024. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, definitely just, do it. It's your I don't kind get of place. Out the house like I used to. <laughs> if there's anywhere to go, it will definitely be one of our events, though, because it is a really accessible event, and you would have a really accessible experience within nightlife with us. And I think a lot of that is reflected by the people who are running it, because we're all so different to each other. We have a lot in common, obviously, but you know, we have a, a few different gender identities. We have lots of different sexualities. We have people from sort of different economic backgrounds who actually are a part of the collective and what that means is that we do really just consider like a lot of different groups of people when we are running these events also we're all really lovely so if you did want to come I know you'd have a good time because we're really fun and we'd be there to welcome you <laughs> yes please I will be there and can you tell me a bit about the kinds of experiences that you were all having individually before you came together as a collective working in hanging out in the music industry yes I think for me I think I'd been working in the music industry for the longest so just for context on how the, the collective is structured I am in a managerial role so I'm the founder and I also have my colleague Sophie who does our finances and is also sort of managerial but everyone else is a DJ so they were all DJing independently before we decided to collect <laughs> um, and I think the experiences that everyone had that we all had the same experiences were just like not feeling welcome in club settings which for us was our place of work 
not feeling represented on lineups. That's a big thing. Not feeling safe when we went to clubs, which again, our place of work, like not feeling like you can go to these places and be safe and be supported is a really, really big barrier to entry for a lot of people, um, especially because it's nightlife, it's nighttime, it's scary anyway, and it isn't safe anyway. So there need to be extra measures to put in, but there just aren't those. Um, and I think another thing that we all kind of experienced was this idea of not wanting to try because we felt like we didn't have a place there. And if we tried and we couldn't do it, then it would be like confirming that there's no place for people like us in music. And I think a lot of us were sort of, when we talk about it now, we say we were holding ourselves back in a way because we weren't, we, we weren't giving ourselves the space to take up basically. So we were limiting ourselves based on other people's perceptions of our genders or who we were. And I think what, what really happened when we did come together was that we started having these conversations and we realised that we were all thinking the same thing and we were all experiencing the same thing in these clubs. We were all being turned away at the door by bouncers who were saying, there's no way you can be a DJ or you're definitely not a promoter or like laughing in our faces. And having something about having that shared experience and telling that together, I think is just a huge source of strength for all of us. So that is the kind of foundation of what we do. And we want to bring that feeling to other people as well. I know from hearing you talk about it, but I also know from my own experiences that like clubs and the music scene, there's a lot of alcohol around. There's a lot of substances around and it makes people behave in ways that aren't always like friendly and respectful and safe. And like, I know that from hanging out recreationally in those environments, but like working in those environments, it must make it really challenging i can definitely see that there's value in spaces and events that are run by women and non-binary people yeah it's an it's an extra perspective that we can we can give to this world basically and just on your point on how there is alcohol and there are substances that make people act differently i think it's sort of the reverse of that as well i think people think some people see the music industry as a place where they can kind of get away with their own whatever behavior they want to which is really difficult because being on the other end of that is is super traumatic and in an industry like the music industry there aren't structures to kind of deal with that like you don't have an HR department when you're a DJ you don't have a manager really unless you're like you know quite established in your career so when you're just starting out and you're experiencing these kind of behaviors quite a lot it it's really off-putting and that's why I would say to everyone if you're thinking of working in music in any capacity probably any creative industries find a group of people and stick together and support each other because it's the best thing that any of us ever did. I don't think we'd be where we are if we weren't together, to be honest. I love that as a message. Um, I know that in my career and line of work, which is a weird one, which is content creation and um, like influencing, Instagramming, etc. Um, it's kind of the opposite in that it's a very female-led industry, but it's similar in that... Um, it can be pretty cutthroat and pretty lonely sometimes and making friends around me really helped me with that feeling that I didn't belong, there wasn't space for me, I was different, I wasn't going to succeed in this job and all of that stuff. Like it's a really good antidote to that, isn't it? Yes. The whole not going to succeed is the main thing I think that a lot of us felt. And it's because when you're told that you don't fit somewhere, you do internalise that. When you're told in a million different ways, you know, through people actually directly saying women can't DJ, but also there's cues, there's like social cues, right? Like you don't see anyone who looks like you in these positions of power. So you think, well, there's no room for me there. And the more that you see that kind of thing, 
I think the harder it is to unlearn that kind of bias within yourself as well. So it's it's been a big journey for all of us, I think. It wasn't as easy. I wish it was, but it wasn't as easy as just all getting together. Um, that was the first step, but I think there's been a lot of work and we're still doing a lot of work, to be honest, to kind of unlearn this. And also to consider new types of people every day. Like it's not just our experiences that we're trying to make more welcome or better in the industry. It's everyone. So we're all on a journey, I suppose, <laughs> to equality. <laughs> yes. Um I think I remember you telling me once that you actually got turned away at the door of one of your own events. Is that right? Or trying to get into the decks? <laughs> it wasn't. So I wasn't promoting that event. I've actually never been turned away when I was promoting. I've been told multiple times to get out of the booth, the DJ booth, because there's no fangirls in the DJ booth um, when I've been working an event. So I've been stage managing. I'm like, this is my booth. You can get out of it. <laughs> is my general response to that but that happens a lot that happens most of the time or if I am working social media and I'm standing in a in a booth then I'll often get people saying oh put your phone away like stop recording and it's like well actually I'm here because I've been hired to record this so please don't <laughs> ask me not to do that there's a lot of it but I think another yeah the big thing for DJs which they get all the time is not being let into every I think every person in Not Bad For A Girl has experienced not being let into the club because they because of what they look like or how they present and then like either being late for sets or missing sets even though you you can you can stand there with a USB and headphones in your hands and the bouncer still just will be like there's no way you can give them your full name you can show them on the poster there's nothing nothing ever like gets through so imagine that like in what other job do you get to the front door of the building and they say actually no not you couldn't be you. <laughs> There's no other jobs like that. I mean, maybe there are, but I can't think of any. And what a unique and terrible experience to have as someone who's trying to break into an industry. It's wild, isn't it? It's completely mind-blowing. It is. But also not really a surprise, like knowing what we know about the world we live in. So what what's the vibe like? Compare and contrast that kind of event with one of your Not Bad For A Girl events. What's the vibe like at the events you're running? The vibe that we go for is just like pure chaos at all times so we're very high energy most of us have ADHD as well we're super high energy people um so what we like to do is just kind of like bring that kind of energy we, what we want to do basically is make sure everyone on the dance floor is feeling the high energy but also is feeling like loved respected feeling like they belong we don't like having much separation between the DJ and the and the crowd for example so we'd much rather like the decks were in the crowd so that we can really be dancing with people and enjoying it alongside them. But also outside of the music, I think it's a really lovely environment. Like we often have sort of networking elements to our events. So you can come if you're someone who does work in music and you can speak to other people who might be having similar experiences to you. So that's like another angle to what we're trying to do. We're trying to spread love and equality through our dance floors, but we're also trying to bring people together so they can unionize and so they can feel stronger. That's the vibe. It's a really good vibe. And from, I love following you lot on social media because your content is really high energy and it always looks like you're having such a good time. Like I can feel my face <laughs> just turning into a grin as soon as I start watching your videos because I'm like, <laughs> this looks so fun. These guys are like, they're having such a good time. Well, basically we just are. Yeah, there's no trick to it. It's just like, we are like best mates doing the thing that we love the most. And 
we just love chaos. So <laughs> it is really fun. It's a really, really fun time. I think there's something as well about being held back from spaces where when you find a space that you feel like it is your own, then it means more to you. And I think that's a lot of where that energy does come from for us or like where the fun comes from, because we do we do genuinely, genuinely feel safe around each other and at our events. And that for us hasn't always it hasn't always felt safe being in the industry. So I think a lot of that comes from, oh, my God, this is ours and we can do what we want with it. Um, And that's what that like special ingredient that makes it so fun is. How do you I don't you might not know the answer to this, but like, how do you foster that between you as a group? (laughs) that's a really interesting question we do we've got it wrong before we've definitely we we go through a lot of learning we still are um we've had periods where we focus too much on work or where one person has taken on way too much of the work and I think like what we're learning now is is how to have honest conversations and that's what's bringing us so close and that's what's bringing that feeling of community it's not just like you hang out when it's good it's like you're there through the hard stuff with each other you're there through the highs you're there through the lows and that's like that's what makes you so close and so able to just trust each other I think there's a lot of trust but also hanging out is great is very important so we'll always do a Christmas party even like even if it's like a Wagamama's which it was last year (laughs) we'll always do events like nights out where we're not working um because I think it's just really important to have that level where you're not like depending on people just for work stuff you're also depending on them because they're your friends or in our case they're your family so that's kind of how we keep it feeling as special as it is oh it makes me feel a bit emotional I just think it was such good vibes when you turned up at our wedding it was I'd never met the rest of your collective before or most of them at least and when they turned up, it was like seeing friends. It was like, these are the people I want to hang out with on my wedding, my wedding day. <laughs> That's so nice. We're professional party starters, you know. We've got an energy <laughs> and we bring it. <laughs> and what gives you lot the confidence to keep showing up in these spaces where, you know, people aren't always rolling out the red carpet. You are sometimes having to like jostle and fight a bit for your space. For me, I think it's like sheer stubbornness. Like the more unwelcome I feel, probably the harder I'm going to push to make it more welcoming for everyone. I think it's also each other, like I've said a lot, um, relying on each other. Like we we definitely have dips. We have we have parts of like the year where, for example, one of us will do nothing for six months. But because we've got each other, someone else picks it up. So that's really, I think the music industry is very difficult, regardless of who you are as well, because you're expected to have this consistent output and nobody can output consistently. That's just not how humans work. So having this team of people means that when we do need breaks, sustained breaks often, then there's someone else to sort of pick it up and, and work on it with you. And that's, I think, the true meaning of being a team as well. We, we we really focus on what it means to be a team to each other and being able to pick up the pieces is part of it. That sounds so healthy. I'm almost shocked. I would say healthy that I can this I can hear myself and I know I sound really healthy, but it's taken a long time to get to a place where it's healthy. And I think I think we still have a lot of learning to do because we all are so passionate that we just want to do it all the time. Like me in particular, I have a terrible work life balance. <laughs> and I will, you know, I'll come home from my nine to five and I'll do my my five till nine or not bad for a girl. And it's taken me a long time to sort of unlearn that kind of behavior so yeah it's not all it's not all healthy but I have the other people around me who can sort of pick up after that so that really helps me to have a better balance 
Hi guys, it's me, Jess, just dropping in to tell you about my book, Worried Whippet, A Book of Bravery. It's a beautiful hardback gift book that inspires you to take a cue from one anxious little dog, muster up your courage, and step out into the world with hope. The drawings are gorgeous, and it makes a great gift for adults, children, dog lovers, anyone struggling with anxiety. Plus, it's only $10.99, which is frankly a steal. One lovely person just bought 25 and got all their Christmas gifts done at once. You can get it from Amazon, Waterstones, or my favourite, your local independent bookshop. You're listening to Brave Little Podcast with me, Jess Bolton. So over summer, Marth... You were quoted on Women's Hour talking about Glastonbury Festival's lack of diversity in its lineup. Am I right? And can you tell me a bit about it? You are correct. It was Anita Rani um, interviewing Emily Evis, who is one of the owners of Glastonbury. And Glastonbury gets quite a lot of shade for not having equal lineups. Obviously, it's like the biggest festival in the UK, so that's probably why it gets some it gets publicity on everything. But it does also have a history of not booking women. So Glastonbury in particular this year uh, only had, as the headliners, they had the Arctic Monkeys, they had Guns N' Roses, they had Elton John, but they had no women. And when Imbelievis was asked about this, she said, well, there's just no, there were no women that we could have booked, which I think is actually outrageous because a festival like Glastonbury, let's be honest, can book pretty much anyone they want to book, especially if they're preparing as much in advance as they need to be to be thinking about diverse lineups. Because there are issues with exclusivity, like say Reading books, Lana Del Rey. So Glastonbury can't, although they did, I think, put Lana Del Rey into the lineup afterwards because of all this. <laughs> so there is an exclusivity clause with a lot of festivals where you have to kind of respect if they've booked the artist, you don't book it. But it's Glastonbury. They are literally the head of the table. So that's what's frustrating for me is that you can't lean back and say there are no good women or there's no women to this standard and expect everyone to just be like, oh, yeah, fair cop. Never mind. Good point. Also, another thing that I would have said is that Glastonbury are tastemakers. So even if there's no women that they think are at the standard of Elton John, Guns N' Roses and Arctic Monkeys, Anyone they put there on that stage, they have a responsibility, I think, to invest in newer talent. Anyone they put there on that stage is going to have the best year after that. They're going to grow. They're going to be, you know, even from when they're announced for Glastonbury, they're going to get so many opportunities and they're going to grow as an artist in the time between being announced and being at the festival. And I think that's something that's kind of overlooked. They have the resources and they also have the industry stance and the power to book whoever they want to book and make them whatever artist they want to be. I don't know if that's me being jaded because I work in the music industry and if other people have a different perspective on how artists' careers grow. But I see Glastonbury as such tastemakers that they can kind of just book who they want and they can make them as big as they need them to be, essentially. So that that was quite frustrating to me. I think the quote was, it needs to be the bigger people taking the jump for the rest of us who can't afford the risk as well, who don't have the resource to be doing this, who don't have the resource to be putting on lineups with people that we think can only bring in like sort of 50% of the ticket capacity when we need to sell like 20,000 tickets. But Glastonbury can do that. They're not not going to sell out. They'll always sell out. So it's up to them to take those risks, basically. I think that's a really good point. I've never really thought about it like that before, but... Um... Yeah, I agree with you that the argument that there just isn't anybody that they could book is completely absurd. I think that's embarrassing. I think so too. And no shade to Emily Evis because I do think she does amazing things for women in music. Um, and I think she is amazing. I just think it's 
it's this idea of it being people's responsibility to be more clued up on diversity, basically. And I think it's quite easy to take a backseat and think, oh, well, that's not really anything to do with me. But when you are in a position of power in the music industry, you the influence and the sway that you can have is so huge that I would just love to see more participation in these kind of conversations from people who are at the heads of the table, basically. I think the experience of not feeling welcome in a space, not feeling accommodated, not feeling comfortable when you get there, or even sometimes feeling threatened is one that a lot of us can relate to. Like I'm, I find it hard to go to a gym class on my own. Yeah. Let alone a night out or a concert or something. How, how do you guys navigate that? How did you get to where you are from where I am? There's a few things that I do that make me feel more comfortable or more confident. And like some of them are like personal safety. So like I'll make sure if I get in a taxi, I've got my location on. I know people know where I'm going. That helps, definitely. I also think that I I used to kind of throw myself into these situations and then be be mad at myself when I didn't feel like I was doing a good enough job at being okay. And I think a really big thing for me has been being honest with myself and saying, hey, I'm I'm nervous about this. I'm anxious about this. I don't feel like I'm going to fit in there. How can I make this more comfortable before I go in? And like, what can I do when I get there to make it more comfortable? So I'll normally like, I mean, normally when I get to places, I'm fine. But when I arrive, I will sort of have a look around and see people who I think might seem quite nice. And like, I'll often go and say hi to them or like make sure that they kind of know who I am. Because I think there's something that is quite comforting. It's usually other women or non-binary people. There's, There's something that's quite comforting about knowing that there's people who you feel kind of have your back a bit, especially in nightlife. Um, So that's something that I'll do. I'll also sometimes bring a friend because I think that's a bit more comfortable as well. But the biggest biggest thing that I've done, I think, to make myself more confident in these spaces is just to like trial by fire, like throw myself into them. Um, And kind of through doing that, I think I've had to let go of this idea that people aren't going to like me or people are going to think, why is that person there? Or that I'm going to be rejected because I've kind of promised to myself right well no matter what happens I'm going to keep showing up and in that way it kind of doesn't matter how other people react to me being there because I want to do it so I'm going to do it for me so for me it was like a big mindset shift I think of not trying to show up in these places and be perfect and be really liked and to be accepted instantly it's more like hey what do you want more do you want to try this and maybe you're not accepted or do you want to just like stay at home and not because for me it's like well I'm gonna try it because you never know otherwise and I think otherwise I like live with the regrets so (laughs) sometimes don't get me wrong I ask myself that question and the answer is I want to stay at home and I stay at home but more often than not if I say Martha be honest with yourself do you think you can handle this like what is the worst that's going to happen if if people do look at you like oh why are you here or like this isn't your place that's it. That's the only that's the only thing that's going to happen. They're going to look at you that way. And it's up to you to kind of decide how you're going to take that and how you're going to let that affect the fun that you want to have or how that's going to impact the decisions that you want to make, basically. So, yeah, it's a bit of a mindset shift, which is probably really annoying if you're listening because I don't have anything that's like a quick fix. Um, I'm like, just think about it differently. But <laughs> but there is I think don't be afraid of failing or don't be afraid of not fitting in because realistically as you go through life you're going to experience both of those things so practicing them and practicing how you're going to be okay with those things is the biggest source of strength I think it is the feeling of 
you're right. Like, what if I walk into that room and I don't feel welcome there? What if I walk into that room and people look at me funny? And that's definitely, I brought up exercise classes as my example without really thinking about it too much. But that's what it is. It's walking into an exercise class as a woman in a bigger body who doesn't have like the nicest, coolest, newest exercise gear, um, who is new to a lot of what they're doing. Like it might be my first time doing something and everybody else kind of looks like they've been doing it for a long time. There's something really liberating though about realizing that firstly, like most people don't even notice you. Like we have Mm -hmm. this stupid thing in our brains where we're programmed to think that everybody's looking at us all the time and thinking about us all the time and that's just not the case but also the people especially in your industry who don't don't want you there and who do look at you funny and who do think actually you're not who should be on that stage those people who cares what they think and not even who cares what they think like you know you don't want to be their friend they're not the people you want to work with they're not the people you want to be around so you know who cares what they think but also maybe there's a little bit of joy in pissing them off proving them wrong and being up there in spite of the fact that they don't really want you to be absolutely that's why we're called not bad for a girl it's an idiom people used to say oh yeah people still say it to us you're not bad for women um and it's that idea that like I think a lot of our collective is actually founded on that idea that it's like ha like (laughs) I I know you don't think I'm welcome here but I'm gonna do it anyway because I don't care what you think and I also think that a lot of the people who do think in that way for me it doesn't really fuss me as much anymore because I know that increasingly more and more people do really want to see more equal representation in the music industry. So I think like the the place that we're going to, we've got a long way to go, but the place that we're going to is fully welcoming and accepting. And one day these people, these horrible people are all just going to be in the past. And I hold on to that and I love it. So yeah, there's a bit of both. There's a bit of spite, pure spite, but then there's also just the knowledge that like, even through showing up, what we're doing is we're building this future that is more accepting for everyone, basically. Yeah, you're creating change. And there's there's somebody in your audience who is where you were 10 years ago. And in 10 years time, mm-hmm. the space that they inhabit will be different from what yours was. And that's because of you. Oh, that's very sweet. I was going to say the music industry moves so quickly that it's more like two months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Absolutely, yeah. In- inspiring people is one of like the greatest joys in my life. I think you do some other cool stuff too with Not Bad for a Girl. Can we just quickly talk about that? So you're you're gearing up to to run a mentoring program in a year or so's time, but you produce music. I don't actually know what that means. What does producing music mean, and uh, how do you do it? Like writing silly little songs. <laughs> we write silly little songs. We launched as a record label. It was horrendously expensive. We haven't done it since, um, but we did really enjoy doing it. Um, so yeah, we we put out an album of like bass music, basically, which was all women non-binary artists, and it was fundraising for Brighter Sound, who is a charity working like in basically what we do, like equalising the music industry, um, and that was really fun. But yeah, aside from that, the mentorship we're basically looking for funding for it. We kind of got it all locked down, but we're our pillars. So we talk about like what we want to do as a collective and all of us want to do a mentorship because all of us are interested in doing more outreach. So what we'd quite like to do is take this mentorship scheme 
around the UK in cities that aren't London and aren't Manchester, basically, because those are the ones that get the most funding, into smaller cities to people who maybe don't have access to the same resources and to basically teach them from the ground up, like how not only how to exist in the industry as like someone who's like talented and a DJ and blah, 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 but also as someone who is from a like a woman or a gender minority person and how you can kind of do what we've done and make it comfortable for yourself. So that's it. It's very like practical, emotional, all kinds of support and resources is what we want to do for people who don't necessarily have access to that kind of thing normally. So that's really exciting. So if anyone wants to fund that and is listening, let me know. (laughs) Drop me an email. Yes, (laughs) It's going to be huge. (laughs) But yeah, there's other things as well, like workshops, uh, just anything we can do that's outreach or upskilling people basically is one of our big big pillars I like that and for people listening who think you sound cool um where can they find you in real life and also online in real life uh I actually think we have nothing coming up for the rest of the year but uh you can find our socials so we're on instagram at not bad for a girl mcr and tiktok as the same and if you keep your eyes on those pages, we basically are posting. We do we post like stuff that we do, but we also post opportunities. So if you're an aspiring DJ or someone who wants to work in the music industry, it's a really good place to be. Um, and we also post our fun content and I'll be sharing our sets for next year there. So if anyone wants to come and see us, they can. I would definitely recommend it because it's might, a really um, good time. You might even bump into me being my bravest <gasps> self. Um, do it. Yeah, in the front row. With your dogs. With <laughs> Not with my dogs, can you imagine? (laughs) Um, (laughs) This has been really nice. This has been really nice. I feel like we don't talk about this in depth. No. Because we're sisters. And we talk about hair and stuff. Hair and stuff? Jane Austen. Oh my God, what do we talk about? sound like... um, What do you make it sound like? We're cooler than that, guys, everybody. We don't just talk about hair. (laughs) No, I think we are cooler than that because we're two badass people with amazing careers doing really cool things and we also (laughs) like Jane Austen and we also like talking about hair. It's not one or the other. It's this and, okay? (laughs) Thanks, Martha. (laughs) That's okay. Just be yourself, Jess. Thank you. I will. (laughs) Hair and all. Um, It's been a joy to have you on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And also... I just want to shout out every single member of Not Bad for a Girl because they're absolute angels and they keep me sane mostly, but also like inspire me so much to do everything that I do. So if you're listening, if any of them listen, thank you for doing everything all the time. And I love you. We love you. And thank you, Jess, as well for having me on because it's been really lovely. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this little bonus episode of Brave Little Podcast. As I mentioned last week, we're wrapping up now for the series, um, but we are hoping to be back in the new year. So do keep an eye out on my socials. I'm at human.jess and my little dog is at Worried With It. Also, do make sure you're following Martha. Their handle is MacDemartho, M-A-C-D-E-M-A-R-T-H-O. And I'll drop a link to that in the show notes. And you can also find Not Bad For A Girl at Not Bad For A Girl M-C-R. Give them a follow. As I said, their stuff is just really joyful and a breath of fresh air. And I think that you'll love it. Thank you for listening. Thanks for your ratings and reviews. And hopefully see you soon for another series of Brave Little Podcasts.